Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is 5 o'clock show. John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night. The number one show at 5 o'clock. We let you know all everything that's going on that you should know. In the studio with us, we have a common sense uh, Democrat, Judge uh, Richard Weinberg, and a common sense Republican. Ten years GOP uh, uh, chairman in Brooklyn. Uh, we have with us Craig Eaton and my sidekick on my right kick, keeps kicking me. <laughs> we have Lydia Serrani, and we have one great show today. Tell us about it. Absolutely. Now, so far we have uh, Ken Paxton, who is the Texas Attorney General. We'll be speaking with him. Ed Rollins, who's a Republican strategist. Uh, Louis Molina. Who, he was Ronald Reagan's strategist. Right. He And Louis Molina, he's a commissioner of the uh, New York City Department of Corrections. There's some breaking news there when it comes to Rikers. We'll be talking as well to Suzanne Miller. She's the founder of Empire State Properties. But first on the line for us, Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law, Brooklyn boy at heart, constitutional scholar, and an all-around great guy. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Oh, what a pleasure to be on. Thank you for your nice comments. Where do we, Alan, where do we start? There's so many things happening. I understand the, the House of Representatives have just passed a bill saying we want to protect these uh, the uh, Supreme Court justices. It's about time. You know, when I was a law clerk back in the 1960s, anybody could walk into the Supreme Court. You just walked up the steps. You knocked on Justice Goldberg, who I was clerking for, his door. And you'd say, gee, I'd love to say hello to Justice Goldberg. I disagree with one of his opinions. And Goldberg would come out and sometimes offer a cup of coffee. We'd sit down and we'd schmooze. There was no security. There were like a couple of guards. I don't even know if they were armed. Today, the terrible tragedy is that Supreme Court justices have to be protected like presidents because you get a guy like this character from California who wanted to assassinate uh, Kavanaugh in order possibly to change the vote. Uh, on Roe versus Wade. Imagine what would have happened, God forbid, if he had been assassinated, and then the vote would have changed. We would have seen somebody affecting the judiciary in America by a violent act. That has to stop. Let me ask you, Professor, and then I think Craig Eaton wants to, are the justices deep down inside, are the justices going to do the right job, or you think they're scared and then they're not going to do the right job. No, I think they're going to do the right job. And I think giving them security helps them. But I think they would do the right job. They know that the, you know, the future of our country in many respects is in their hands. We have a tripartite division of government, three equally uh, powerful branches. Uh, Alexander Hamilton called the court the least dangerous branch, but uh, it's become a very important branch, both positively and negatively. And I know most of the justices most of the justices over the past 50 years. Uh, I disagree with some of them, but they're all very decent people, and they're not afraid, and they're going to do justice. Some of them are very partisan. Some of them are very ideological, like everybody else. 
but they're not going to change their vote out of fear. I don't believe that for a minute. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. I have two questions for sure. you. First, sure. is shouldn't it be a crime for anyone to di- disseminate the addresses of Supreme Court justices, members of Congress? Um, well, we should make that. We should make know, that a crime. We should make it illegal. It should to make it, we should make it illegal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and also and, and, also all of the secretaries and undersecretaries of, of, of the government. I mean, these yeah, people I mean, can't be afraid. The right. They can't be afraid. Right. First, and there's no First Amendment right to know the addresses of people. Um, you can protest in front of their office. Their offices are all well known. You don't have to go and protest in front of their homes. And I think it's wrong and immoral to protest in front of their homes. It's probably constitutionally protected if they're a certain number of yards away and if they do it certain. Uh, Although there is a statute today that says that you can't uh, try to influence the outcome of any judicial opinion based on protests in front of the homes of of justices, but uh, whether that would be upheld by the Supreme Court, I just don't know. Um, my, se- my second question is, what are we hearing about the um, the release of the opinion? It seems like there's no more information on that. Do you have have you heard anything? That's the way it should be. <laughs> that's exactly right. They, 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 know what they should release it when they release you know, it. No, no, it no, no, no I'm saying the, 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 in, yeah. the person that released it. There was an investigation. No, an investigation. The investigation into who released the no, draft. It, We've heard nothing. It's not going to get anywhere. Look, no. I know the people from the marshal's office and the Supreme Court. They're wonderful people. They do a great job. But they're not, you know, people who are suited to do this kind of sophisticated technological investigation. That should be up to the FBI. I know there are some people who say the FBI has no jurisdiction because it isn't a crime to leak. The FBI does have jurisdiction to protect the nation against attacks on its integrity and its legitimacy. And I do think the FBI does have jurisdiction to investigate who did the leak. And I would hope it would do that because I think we have a right to find that out. Professor uh, Dershowitz, January 6 hearings postponed. What do you think? They're saying it was a technical <laughs> difficulty. I mean, they had almost two years to get ready for this. Uh, hey, and they have this producer who doesn't seem to be doing such a great job. You know, when the when the Celtics came out to play last night, I was hoping that the NBA would adopt a congressional rule. And because, uh, you know, I want the Celtics to win, I was hoping they would say, look, the Celtics can come out, shoot as many times as they want. They may miss a couple. But uh, the Warriors, no, they don't get a chance to come out on the field. They have to stay back in their on their bench. That's the way this hearing is going. One team is allowed to go out there, make some mistakes, but not subject to cross-examination, not subject to truth testing, nothing. And the American public is supposed to just buy into a one-sided presentation of this. It's absurd. That's not the way the American system works, one-sided presentations. It just doesn't work that way. And nobody should give credibility at all to this committee unless they – uh, behave like a real committee. This should have been done by a 9-11 type commission with experts, nonpartisan people, non-ideological people, people who are just trying to get to the truth. And people believe the 9-11 responses. Nobody is going to believe these responses, except if you went in there believing them. This isn't going to change a single mind. It does seem that they were trying to, you know, maybe they were running out of steam and maybe they couldn't find enough footage to make it as horrific and as you know, mm-hmm. treacherous as they made it seem, because it just seems bizarre. And they're trying to downplay why it was 
um, you know, postponed. And then the other other question I have to ask is like they're talking, oh, well, Trump's going to be indi- indicted and criminally. And we know that's yeah. not the case. We know the Department of Justice did a thorough investigation. How can they get away with lying like this so blatantly when we know what the facts really are? Well, it's an attempt to try to persuade the Justice Department to change its mind. It would be a mistake, a terrible mistake to try to indict a President Trump for his speech or what he didn't do. Look, I disagree with the speech. I don't think he should have given it, um, nor do I think that Chuck Schumer should have gone in front of the uh, uh, Supreme Court and talked about, you know, how people will pay uh, for what the Supreme Court is going to do and issue a kind of dog whistle that might have been heard by this kid who uh, went and tried to uh, assassinate uh, Justice uh, Kavanaugh. I think uh, Presidents and and senators should be more careful about their words, but neither of them committed crimes. And so we have to make a sharp distinction between doing the wrong thing, which both of them, I think, did, and committing crimes, which neither of them did. Judge Weinberg? Uh, Alan, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Do you know about that decision uh, coming out of the federal district court that uh, set aside the uh, Homeland Security's uh, memo on – on jurisdiction to uh, push people out of the country. They limited the jurisdiction. Yeah, but and that's still, you know, that's not the last word. We're going to hear more about that. We're going to probably see some congressional action on it as well. But, um, you know, it's it's very much in play right now. What powers various agencies of the government have in relation to the terrible problem we have at the border. Like all of Americans, decent Americans, want more legal immigrants to come into this country. We, you know, we're a nation of immigrants. All of our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, um, came over from other countries probably. Yeah, and, but and they we went through a system. That, it has to be legal. A it system. Legal. No, forget yeah. about legal. I think a system of checks and balances to make sure they don't have diseases, they're not terrorists, and they're coming yeah. in here and swear allegiance to the country and then not that they could come here and and I when I was six years old I got sworn in for my citizenship papers because I, great, I came here great six day months for old. America it I was loved a great it day for America when they swore you in as a citizen because look at how much you contributed to this country I mean a country without John Katsimidis is unimaginable in America well, the same without without Alan Dershowitz I mean we worked yeah. together. <laughs> no, but the, but the, problem, here, so. the yeah. problem on this immigration situation is that they keep coming in. We don't know who they are, where they're going. They just disappear into the country with no accountability. That can't, that can't be acceptable. Yeah. We have to make sure we have accountability. I am, but we have to have you know, a, a pathway to citizenship. I am pro-immigration. I am pro, pro, pro-immigration. Yeah. But we need yeah. to make sure we don't get terrorists and, and bad people. That's all, that's all I want. Look, you know, the city of Liverpool is interesting. It's not only the place where the Beatles are, but it's the city where a lot of Jews live. Why? Because that's where the boats to America took off. And the Jews who couldn't get onto the boat because they had scabies or or they had this disease or tuberculosis all ended up in, in Liverpool. And, 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 and there's a whole population of people who couldn't get into the United States because they couldn't pass the medical test. Some of them passed a few years later. Some of them stayed. But we had very tough restrictions. My grandmother, I learned from this show that they have on, you know, DNA and famous people, they did one on me. I learned that my grandmother, who came alone with two little babies, um, had, um, had to be detained in a cell for a couple of days while they checked her out. I didn't know that. 
Well, uh, Alan Dershowitz, thank you so much for uh, calling in. And we're, we're always staying side by side. And uh, if you ever need any legal uh, uh, advice, please call me. <laughs> I, I will do that. And if you need some advice about how to sell groceries, call me. I will definitely do that. What's the right okay. price of uh Cheerios. Okay. Cheerios. Just stock don't up on toilet paper. Oreos, Oreos. Don't sell Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That's all. No, no, no we're against Ben and Jerry's. Stock even up on if, toilet paper. Even if John Katsimidis sells it, you heard it here first. Stock up on toilet paper before we run out. You heard okay. it here first, <laughs> Professor Dershowitz. <laughs> you'll, you'll be using rocks instead. <laughs> Newspapers. Uh, let's go okay. right now. There was, a, there was a debate yesterday. What the heck happened? We got John McLaughlin, a famous uh, a pollster in New York, and uh, the Republican uh, the governor re- candidate. The Republican debate. governor's candidate. And Craig Eaton was there, too, was listening. Uh, John McLaughlin, what the hell happened yesterday? Well, well what we saw was uh, uh, CBS held a debate, and all the Republicans attended. Uh, and full disclosure, I work for Lee Zeldin, and you know him. Past appearances, I work for Lee Zeldin, and you know, and I listen to your station. I know some people like Mayor Giuliani prefer other candidates, but uh, Lee was live with uh, with Harry Wilson and Rob Astorino, and Andrew Giuliani was remote, uh, even though the other candidates preferred their live CBS vaccine. You know what? We're having um, issues hearing you, John. Can you call us back, or we'll call you right back? All right, I'll try right back. Okay, Craig, sorry. While, while we're waiting for John to call back, give us your opinions. Craig Eaton, 10-year GOP chairman of Brooklyn. First, John, I think I think having Andrew Giuliani do it remotely, I think, was criminal. You know, they say that he didn't Well, right have... after New York won, New York won, what did they do? The week before, they had him on, yeah. and they let him into, the, yeah. into New York. Yeah, yeah but, but think about ah. it. Think about it. They, they didn't let him in because he couldn't prove he was vaccinated. But all he had to do is get a PCR test and prove that he wasn't. You didn't get into the White House with a test. You know, I would love to know. I would love to know if every single person that walks into that building at CBS News has to show proof of vaccination. All right, we got we got uh, John McLaughlin back. Let's uh, let's see if we can hear him now. I'm on the hard line, so this should be better. Ah. Perfect. Good. Good. There you go. Tell us, what what, what happened? And Craig Eaton was uh, well, wants to comment on it, too. Go ahead. Well, you know, if you lived upstate, you'd realize that for the last three or four weeks, Harry Wilson has been pounding Lee Zeldin with uh, negative ads that are, you know, at best half-truths and really not the truth. And Lee fought back last night where uh, they said he voted for four Cuomo budgets and, you know, he's voted against tax hikes. Absolutely not true. He voted for Republican budgets that were negotiated. And they've been hitting him for for praising Andrew Cuomo, and he did it when they passed the property tax cut, the tax cap. The two percent in New York, we have that two percent property tax cap. Lee co-sponsored it. That was in the budget, and he was talking about having you know like you know uh, and uh, Rob Astorino uh, has pictures of the same tour, so. You know they've been they've been attacking Lee pretty hard, and Lee fought back last night, and he pointed out some things. Uh, uh, you know, as far as his opponents go, to straighten out the record, and I think uh, I think Lee did a great job. I th- all the people I know that I was in contact with were happy that he was fighting back and straightening out the record because Lee's the strongest candidate to beat Kathy Hochul. 
He's the one she's afraid of that if he survives this primary, which he's going to do, and he's going to win decisively, she's going to have a real race. And what was interesting about the questions that Lee got last night uh, with all the other Republicans, you know, they asked about right off the bat, they asked about the January 6th kangaroo committee and Donald Trump. I mean, how does that solve crime in New York State? They asked about gun control. They asked about, uh, you know, they asked about concealed carry weapons, et cetera. They didn't ask about things that the Republican primary voters care about in terms of taxes, high taxes, in terms exactly. of uh, exactly. Exactly. In, ter in terms of repealing cashless bail. I mean, they didn't ask Republican questions. They asked from a liberal point of view. It's yeah. almost like Kathy Hochul's campaign wrote it. And, John, John and, that, that's uh, my, my notes are that was my biggest disappointment last night is that issues, issues, issues. I mean, Republicans are looking for the candidate that's going to take back Albany for us. Republicans in the city and state of New York are tired of the Democratic control. They're tired of the crime. They're tired of all the problems we're having. But people want to hear what the issues are of each of the candidates and how the candidates address each of those issues and what their plans are. And, and it, right out of the box, it just became everyone screaming at each other. And, and we really didn't hear about the issues. Was it just me or did right. Marcia Kramer come off as pretty – disrespectful I, 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 she was very disrespectful and, and they're and, in the middle of speaking and, and she would yeah. interrupt it i asked this i asked that it's like but, lady but, but calm down they're but, trying to talk but that's the goal here they don't want the they don't want exactly. the republicans to talk about the issues the questions weren't geared so that republicans or democrats or independents sitting at home could hear what their plans are to save the state they just wanted to ask questions that were going to throw everything in into into the abyss because they don't want a republican to win uh, and what what did you think, John McLaughlin, of the moderators? I think Craig is extremely astute because that's why I raised the issue. Because they, in, in our point of view, Lee Zeldin, I, I've done polls earlier this year. They were been written about where he had Kathy Hochul in a dead heat, and she's been running ads now because not so much her primary. She's afraid of losing to to Lee Zeldin. That's the one Republican she does not want to win this primary. So last night's, uh, you know, last night's debate. Uh, unlike the Democrat debate, which was boring and didn't cause Hochul any problems, the, the debate among the Republicans last night was meant to, you know, to give Hochul some better positioning yep. on the issues that she wants to run on. And, uh, you know, now they get videotape of all the Republicans saying, yep, Donald Trump's going to get reelected. And but on the other hand, if they want to run on if they want to run on uh, uh, taking guns away from law abiding citizens, as Lee said, if they want to run on on the most extreme uh, uh, pro-abortion law in the country where you can have abortions up until the ninth month till the kid is born. If they want to run on those things, the average New Yorker who's paying five, six dollars a gallon for gas, going to the supermarket, going into shock, and is afraid to get on the subway and is and is worried about criminals who are out there, uh, who basically should be in jail, should be you know have have bail and have have you know required jail for committing gun or, or violent crimes, uh, you know, the, the New Yorkers are going to revolt. We're or win or, or John, how John Katzmatidis puts it, if you want to vote, if you think Biden did a good job, vote Democrat. If you think he did a bad job, vote Republican. It's pretty simple. I mean, this the way this country is going and you see the most chaos going on in the Democrat cities. That's what they all have yeah. in common. Right, Craig Eaton? Yeah, John, this is Craig again. The one concern I always have in, in a mayoral race or a gubernatorial race is that we have primaries and then we spend months and months and months Republicans beating up and attacking and biting other Republicans, trying to become more right 
so that they can win the conservative vote to win the primary. And then when it comes time for the general election, whoever is the success, successful candidate in the primary is too far right now to come back. And, you know, every every time we do this, it's the same problem. But you also have, John, Richard Weinberg, you also have the problem. Ronald Reagan had it right. You're the minority party in this country and in this state, the Republican Party, and they shouldn't be speaking ill of each other. Yes. They should have common well, shared values. You know, the Democrats make stupid mistakes like that. The Republicans make stupid mistakes like that. They should talk about the issues it's, and exactly. stop uh, yelling at each other. Nobody cares about them yelling at each other. I agree. Uh, John McLaughlin, we have to go on. Thank you so much for calling in, and thank you for your analysis, and we'll talk again real soon. Thank you. And, and the Emerson poll that came out yesterday with Lee ahead with 40% uh, to the next closest at 23 I think if that poll's right, you're going to get an outcome where Lee Zeldin can be Kathy Hochul, and she's going to be on the spot, and Lee Zeldin will be talking about the issues to reduce crime and reduce taxes and, and help average New Yorkers. So well, thank anyway, you. Thank you we'll so go much. from there. Take care, John. Thank you. you. Right now we have on the line for us Suzanne Miller. She's a founder of Empire State Properties, a boutique real estate firm located right here in Midtown Manhattan. Welcome to Castle Nights. She did some rentals for us and on, on Myrtle Avenue. She did a great job. <laughs> but I want to know what the heck is going on. The 30 year mortgage, mortgage right now, they just, uh, they just came Six on the computer. 6.73. Yep. Who's going to be Hi, buying John. houses for 30 year mortgages? Hi, John. Thank you for having me. I love your show and all the common sense you bring to us. Thank you. Thank you. Tell, so, tell our people. Okay, so what's going on? First of all, I bought my first apartment in 1987, and my rate was 11%, and I was thrilled. So, yes, it's it's very high I, right now. But it, I refinanced my beach house at 2% uh, about uh, six months ago. I was thrilled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He loves so saving it's the buck. Doing, it's bringing the rentals to such a high demand that it's that, that's what's happening here. As the sales, you know, slow off a little bit, they're leveling off. I don't think it's uh, it's, it's just a level off, and it had to because it, it needed a breath because it's gone up so fast that the rentals are just completely soaring and on fire for for a lot of factors. We we are a hundred and five percent rented in a lot of our properties. You know why? Yeah. The people that don't give us renewals, we rent their apartments. To, you know, then we ain't gotten renewals. Exactly. Well, you've got international companies bringing people back in droves. You've got the hybrid model, so people now are working from their home, and they care more about where they live because they need a kitchen and they want to walk to work. The metropolitan cities, Boston, San Francisco, San Jose, New York, on fire. And it makes sense. It's common sense. People can't really work from the beach house. They have to be close to their office so they could produce and they could do a job. That's what Elon Musk is doing now, right? Yeah. Okay. But his stock, Elon Musk is almost Elon Musk is almost poor. His stock went from eleven hundred down to six fifty, and gosh, it must have cost him a hundred billion dollars to play this game. Pretty soon, you're talking about real money, John. <laughs> Suzanne, this is Craig Eaton. I'm, I'm an attorney here in the city. I do a lot of real estate transactions and leasing, mm -hmm. and and right. I'm seeing the prices are still high in Brooklyn, where yeah, I live right. and where I do a lot of my practice. The prices are going up. They're not going down. Even as the mortgage rates are going up, the prices are not falling. Because never give up on New York. Mm -hmm. You know what? Mm -hmm. In 2008, people walked away from their houses and their apartments because they were leveraged. They had non-recourse financing. There was a, now there's just a lack of supply. 
People, they have to, they are buying apartments, they have cash in it. They're not letting it go so fast. It's not, it's a different time. I have a and client, I have a client in New Jersey, just put his house on the market. He got one, he got $100,000 over the asking price. Oh $100,000 over the asking price. Crazy. Yeah, see, I don't see this stopping any soon, anytime soon. Suzanne, so, in other words, New York is red hot in rentals. It's red hot. Yeah, the median <laughs> average is uh, $4,000 rent. And you have to make at least $160,000 a year to live in New York City. That was the latest uh, thing that came out. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's actually 5000 average oh. right now. 5, oh. And if you're going to go short term, we're talking about 7000 It's up wow. 30%. And Brooklyn is on fire. Downtown Brooklyn, Coney Island, all doing very well. I heard if you live by the I, I heard if you live by the ocean, John, you get another ten years, I right? I Tumblr pray New York, New York. I don't know. I guess my sign language isn't playing. <laughs> you know, it still is the epic capital of the world. There's new hires, there's recent grads. People want to be in New York. You know, you do bent. They, they don't want to be home. They don't want to sit home with their parents on Long Island. Now, if we cleaned up the crime in New York, if we cleaned up the subways, if we cleaned up the streets. We'll get a, we'll get back our 66 million tourists, won't we, Suzanne? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, we're getting close. We're getting close, and I'm, I'm, I'm never betting against New York. I think that we've gone through a lot worse. We've gone through September 11, 2000, the dot-com bus, 2008, Lehman Brothers. We're going to be fine, but we do have to uh, clean up some of, you know, the politicians. <laughs> that would be nice. Well... <laughs> Suzanne uh, Miller, thank you for calling in, and we'll have you in again. And keep us informed what's going on with the markets, and uh, uh, and uh, we want the, the people want to know. The people want to know, and they want to. This is a great opportunity for people to. Where's come to New, New York, York? New York. New York. New York. Start spreading. Everybody wants to live in New York. Everybody wants to live in New York. Yes. Let's take a break. Thank you, Suzanne. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. While we wait for the commissioner of the New York City Department of Corrections, Luis Molina, we're going to talk amongst ourselves. President Biden had quite the interesting speech today. He talked a lot about inflation, blamed the Republicans, blamed Putin, blamed Trump, and he sounded really angry too. Rich, let's uh, play that soundbite of uh, President Biden. Uh, which, which one? The one that says full of crap? Well, <laughs> that's Trump, but listen to this, what he said about inflation. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. They're full of crap. <laughs> All right, I want to be heard They're on that. They're ruining people's We're, lives. Listen, I want, to be, I want to be heard on that. My 401K is down, 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 down. The cost of living is up, 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 up. Savings, what savings? Who is this man kidding? My, my Bank of America stock went from 50 down to 32. My my J.P. Morgan stock went from 170 down to 115. I mean, it's scary. You know, it's this scary is, what's you happening. You the backbones of America. You know, I was reading this story that in rural America, you have people that are afraid to go to the hospital because they don't want to spend their gas money or when they're looking for baby formula because it's gotten so expensive, the gas. 
that they're like getting stuck in the middle of the streets. Some I mean, of the doctors' associations have actually gone on record saying that this gas situation is going to cause a health crisis. The White House is a disaster right now. What's, happening, line, what's happening is crazy. He's ready? On the line right now, we got him, the commissioner of the New York City Department of Corrections, Luis Molina. How are you, commissioner? Yeah, good, good evening. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Well, we're all well, but we're worried about our city. We're worried about the crime in the city. And you're the commissioner of corrections. And, and uh, people don't know what to say anymore because uh, – uh, you know what the com- p- p- police commissioner said to us on this show, uh, Commissioner? She said there's 3,000 violent criminals in the streets of New York, and if we took those 3,000 violent criminals and put them away, New York would be safe again, and we we would be able to have 66 million tourists back again. We'd be able – people would not be afraid to ride the subways. To come back to work in New and, York? And come back to work. The people are scared. No, I, I completely understand the public sphere of what's been going on over the last few years. But I can tell you as, as a member of Mayor Adams's, um, um team and what I oversee here in the Department of Corrections, um, the city and our department is doing everything we can to right side of what has been going on for the last few years in the city. Well, well, tell us, uh, I mean, are they going to tear down Rikers Island? Are they going to fix up Rikers Island? What's the current status? Because people want to know. Sure. So I would tell you that the borough-based jail plan is, is the law of the land. It was a, the decision that was passed by the previous city council. It is law, and I'm a law enforcement official, so I have to follow the law. And the mayor is in support of the borough-based jails plan, so that plan is on the way. That being said, we're doing a lot of work to repair a lot of infrastructure that has been neglected over the years on Rikers Island so that not only our staff can be safe and, and work in a place that's functional, but also that the detainees that are placed in our custody can also be safe. Well, we understand. How short are you on, on uh, people to run the jails or run Rikers Island? So staffing has improved significantly of where we were at this time last summer. So we've seen staff absenteeism decrease over 40%. And what that translates into numbers is over 1,400 officers have come back to work. And that has allowed us to move five out of our eight facilities back to eight-hour tours. We have family visitation open back again for the detainees to be connected with their families. And we have um, school open again. We have contract providers coming back in to perform services. All of that was really placed on hold for almost two years during the pandemic. Commissioner, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. So would you tell our audience, please, what the future of Rikers is in the short run and the long run, please? Well, I think in the short run, we've been doing a lot of work to stabilize the violence that has existed over the last two years. We've gone back to basics in the short run. We've gone back to doing facility search and tactical search operations. That has led to over the 2,200 confiscation of contraband weapons. We've instituted a lot more basic practices when it comes to uh, facility security operations. And what that has led to is a 44% reduction in the month of May and slashing and stabbings when you compare May of this year to May of last year and a 21% decrease month-to-date in June compared to month-to-date in June last year. In the long term, we're stabilizing operations. We're investing in the organizational health of our staff. We're investing in the professional development of our staff so that when we open these borough-based jail facilities that are on track to open in 2027, 
we don't export this dysfunction into new jail facilities in the communities. Commissioner, I understand you follow the law. But I'm just going to give you my opinion that I've given to many, many people. I think Rikers Island should stay Rikers Island. I think we should remodel the, the jails. Don't allow the people, don't put the jails in neighborhoods where people don't want, don't, do not want them in neighborhoods. Uh, I, I understand because of political reasons they excluded Staten Island, which is great. The people of Staten Island deserve a break. But, uh, and we should open up mental health hospitals and put them on Rikers Island and take the homeless off the street that need, that need protection. They need mental illness help and put them in Rikers Island in hospitals. And that's just my feelings, Commissioner. And I understand you can only follow the current law. No, but I appreciate your opinion, sir. Thank you so much. Anything else you want to tell the people before we take a break? No, I want to thank um, my staff. As you know, um, the judge has ordered that we can have more time um, in order to sort of fix the dysfunction that we inherited from the last administration. And I just want to thank my uniform and my uniform, non-uniform staff. I want to thank Mayor Adams for signing an executive order that created our interagency task force so that we can leverage other parts of city government to help the Department of Corrections. And I want to thank the Corporation Council and the members of the law department. Um, We're going to be doing a lot in order to reimagine the Department of Corrections for the city of New York. Commissioner, this is Craig Eaton. You and I met at a a federal dinner at Russo's last month, and I I just want to thank you and all the correction officers out there because it's not an easy job, what they do day in and day out. Um, and I mean, it's really God's work, and we want to thank you and, and all of them for all that they do every day. One of the toughest jobs in the city. Toughest job, yeah. It's a tough job. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Commissioner, uh, and thank you uh, again, uh, uh, Commissioner Molina. And um, I think I think the whole situation has to be rethought, and I guess that's up to the governor and the mayor and, and the city council. And we'll catch up again real soon. Thank Looking you. forward to it. Thank you for having me and, on. And thank you, Joe Ithia, for connecting us. And let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, we have Ed Rollins to tell us how the heck are the midterms going. And, and he's one smart guy. And let's take that break. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats and Night Show. Now on the line for us is Ed Rollins. He's a Republican campaign strategist who's worked on a Quite a few, several high-profile political campaigns right here in the United States. He was a national campaign director for the Reagan-Bush 1984 campaign. The list goes on and on. Welcome to Cats and Night, the legendary Ed Rollins. My pleasure. How are you tonight? We're doing well, sir. We're doing great. How? Uh, what is the sentiment in the American people? You have a good pulse on things. And right now, we're as mad as hell. I can't take it anymore. I was mad as hell. <laughs> And I'm not going to take this anymore. 
Do the American people, are they starting to feel like that? Oh, they are. They totally feel like that, John. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for 50 years, and I started in California when I was a young man, and now I'm an old man. I live in New York. But across this country, Americans are terribly frustrated with their political leaders. They don't think they're in the, doing the right thing, no matter what it is. They seem to always think that they have a vested interest, and it's not their interest. And there's a real polarization. Uh, there's a, there's a, you've got a very unpopular president who's got a very, very significant problem with the inflation and recessions and the economy and wars. Uh, you've got Republican Party that's in total disarray. We have a tremendous opportunity to take back the House. But at the same time, uh, uh, there's, there's infighting going on there. Uh, we're waiting to see what happens with Donald Trump. If Donald Trump wants to be the nominee of the party again. Uh, he will be that, I'm sure. You know, I, I would say it would be very difficult for anyone to beat him, and especially when you see the primary process that, again, starts in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Florida. Who's going to beat him in those states? And by then, he's, if he's the nominee, then obviously uh, uh, it, it probably is against Biden, so going to have a rematch. And that's not necessarily going to please everyone, but it's going to please some. Uh, but I think that if, if I was to predict today, I'd say the House is going to go Republican. The Senate can go Republican, but it's it's – some very close races there, and we have to see how, who wins the primaries and who turns out. But the country is very, very unhappy. And, and it's it's going to hell right now. This is Craig Eaton. I was the Republican chairman in Brooklyn for 10 years, sure. and I was the vice chair in the state party. And, I mean, can, can Biden run again? I mean, it's a disastrous year and a half. Can he run again? Did you see the New York I, Times report? I, I 50... Mean, uh, Democrats from Congress to county legislators said they don't want him to run. And if not him, who? Then who? Who Hil- else is Hillary. out there? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Kidding. The most well, listen, Hillary could time. get up and say, uh, the, the courts have found all my friends innocent, and I'm running. Ed Rollins, reality, what do you think? The reality here is that uh, no matter what the, the, the prognosters say, Joe Biden is the president. He controls the Democratic apparatus. He wants to run for re-election. We don't deny, seldom deny. Jimmy Carter was the most unpopular president in modern times uh, when, when he was running. Ted Kennedy was the most popular Democrat. He could not even come close to beating Carter in a primary. Ronald Reagan, a campaign I was very involved in, ran against Gerald Ford. Ford was not popular. Reagan still came up short because the power of the presidency is such. And the idea that any Democrat can come in and beat Joe Biden today is is whistling by the by the behind the barn, the same way with Trump. I and mean, if Trump, those two want to run again, it'll be a rematch. People may not like it, and, they, and I would say that the two two people that aren't, uh, aren't as popular as they would normally be, but who's going to beat them? I always say politics is like a game of two-handed poker. Your pair of twos may not look like much, but they beat one of a kind. And right today, we're looking at uh, one of a kind's. Wow, that's uh, very profound. And uh, uh, we got another minute before we take a I break. I have a quick question for Mr. Rollins. Ed Rollins, uh, Biden had a speech today. There was a lot of falsehoods that he spewed there, talking about that there's Americans are saving more than they ever have before and that Republicans are actually to blame. Ultra MAGA and the list goes on and on. Do Americans really buy what the Biden administration is selling? They're not. And at the end of the day here, no matter what they say, what they do, when you go to when you go to pump gas in your in your tank, that's a measurement you pretty much know every week, and you're paying enormous sums of money to fill up your your gasoline car. Your car. When you go to the grocery store, in spite of John's great stores, uh, the cost of food is much higher than it was a year ago. And there's no hope. No one's sitting here saying, "Oh, we only got to do this for two or three more months." 
we're talking about every economic advisor gets on TV or what have you and says it's going to be months, 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 and maybe longer. Uh, so I think we've got a very serious economic. This is about the worst environment I've ever seen anybody have to run re-election in. But who do the Democrats have if they don't have him? And, you know, we, we were talking before about the mortgage rates, 30-year mortgage rate, 6.73. Look at the stock market down every day for the last week. I mean, we, we are in such a disaster right now. The 30-year mortgage is 6.73 right now. It's Putin's fault. Look at this one. Seven. The federal government has $30 trillion in debt. When that gets adjusted, which it does for the interest rates, it could be the, one of the largest amounts of money. They go out the door. Yeah, and Biden wants to spend more money. He's been pushing Biden for more and more spending. No, that's right. That's, every every Democrat wants to do that, and he's he's particularly attuned to that. So uh, I think we've got a hard time. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much for call, calling in, Mr. Uh, Rollins. Ed Rollins. And, and uh, we have Attorney General Paxton on the other line from Texas, and he's got some interesting things to tell us. Thank you, uh, Ed Rollins, and we'll catch up again soon. Anytime, John. Thank you. Now on the line for us, we have Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton. How are you, General? Hey, I'm doing well. Hope you all are well as as well. Are you defending the Alamo? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do, we are defending the Alamo. I promise you that. How about our borders, it's, uh, Richard Weinberg, There's General? A- How about our borders? How are you doing there? So we have we just got a major victory on Friday uh, of last week. We we had a, it took us a year to get, but we have we've stopped the Biden administration from letting. And this is hard to believe they were not only inviting just normal people to come to 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 our country, but they were letting criminals come in and stay. And they were fighting us on on deporting them, even though that's required by law. So the Biden administration had no limit to the invitation of who they wanted in this country, including those who committed crimes. And a federal judge sided with us and said, no, the Biden administration cannot do this. I understand he can't do it, uh, and but they didn't tell him he has to obey the law. Is well, that no, technicality? Yes, we should sue the Biden no, no, administration. No, yeah. no, no we, they, he, they are ordered to, to follow the law and deport criminals. Now, Look, I'm not. I'm pretty sure they'll appeal this. This is the way it goes. It it never seems to end, and we we have to take it up to the Supreme Court. But some of these cases we've gotten to the Supreme Court, we're waiting on like the Remain in Mexico asylum program. We argued, I think, back in April, and uh, we're supposed to get a decision this month. And if if the Supreme Court tells him to do it, federal law tells him to do it. If he's not doing it, then then we're talking about contempt and potentially. I mean, I don't think the Democrats would ever impeach the president for not following the Constitution, but that's what should but, happen. But, but, General, it's clear, and you and I both know as, as lawyers, the obligation when you take the oath of office as president is to enforce the Constitution and the laws of the United States. They have to be faithfully executed. And they've gone after Trump, and I'm a Democrat, I'm saying they've gone after Trump for a lot less than what uh, the Biden administration has done. I'm not an attorney, but I don't understand how the Biden, how President Biden is not being held accountable for willfully and knowingly uh, undermining our democracy and not, and not following the Constitution, not, not upholding the oath of office. I don't understand how no one is holding him accountable for it. So we're trying to. We're trying to. It just takes longer in court than you'd like. It takes sometimes a year, two years to get to the final result, which is you have federal law telling them to do it, which means with Congress, one branch of government, another branch, the the court saying you have to do it. 
And if he doesn't do it after that, the only remedy is then Congress to come back and impeach him. Now, if they don't, we're, we have a constitutional crisis. We have a president that literally says, I don't follow any laws. I'm basically a king here, and I don't have to do anything that I'm told to do because I get to decide that for myself. And that, that would be obviously a, a, different, a different constitution than our founders had envisioned. Uh, that's it. I mean, what else can you say? Well, a- anything else you want to tell us before we take a break? Uh, I think that's it. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty significant case. It's a, it's a, we keep piling up these wins, and they keep being appealed. But in the end, uh, we are going to get that, to that moment of, of decision whether the president's going to ignore not just federal law but these courts. And if he does, then we've got a whole other issue of contempt and whether this president can just do what he wants. Attorney General Paxton, how unsustainable is this open border policy? Because we know they're overwhelming the border towns and they will soon overload the cities right here. I mean, they're flying them in the dead of night right to Westchester County, a suburb of of New York City. It's Long Island. How out of control is it at the border? The consequences right now are devastating. We're talking about the, the importation of fentanyl because Border Patrol can't focus on that. They're basically processing people. And, uh, the, the consequences are going to be hard to measure. I mean, it's going to be a, a significant impact on the country as we have literally millions of people flooding in that we're paying for. We're spending billions of dollars transporting people, housing them, taking care of them. That is coming out of the pocket of every single American. And as you see with inflation, there are Amer- Americans are already suffering with less money in their pockets. And now they're going to be supporting millions and millions of people. I now, the, the other thing I understand Uh, There's possible power shortages or the predicting power shortages in Texas. Is that is that the old news, new news? Look, I don't really know what's going to happen. All I know is, you know, we did have a problem uh, in the winter. I don't think we've ever had a real problem in the summer, which is usually when we have the highest, highest demand. Uh, We'll see. I mean, there's certainly been uh, pushes to uh, put our our generation in a better place. And I I think we've got to add to that generation. There's no doubt that we haven't add, added to the generation in, I think, several years. And part of it's because subsidi- we've been subsidizing wind and solar, and those are not reliable sources of energy. They, they're not always there, and they're expensive. They're also the most expensive forms of energy. So consumers, I think, are not going to appreciate if they have to keep paying higher and higher prices and have less and less reliability. Wow. Okay. we got a minute left. Nothing else? Well, hey, we just solved the cold case in Texas, which we just started a unit. It, it was a big deal for us. Uh, we were able to reunite a woman whose parents had been murdered in 1981. We, we used Baby DNA Holly. in 2000. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Two years later. Yes. Did you hear about so, the story, John? That was- woman, her parents were murdered. They never knew what happened to the baby. The family had been looking for her, and they solved this cold case, and she's been alive and well, and she's uh, 40 years old. Well, yep, that was uh, we solved that last week. That's, that's great news. Great well, news. defend those borders, and because uh, by defending the Texas borders, you're defending all of America. God bless you, and God bless America. And uh, hey, let's, thank you. You guys are thank you. And let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back back. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Do you know this music? This is uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Black Sabbath, right? 
Ozzy, it's just Ozzy. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. This is a good part. Dr. Siegel, how are you, sir? We had to play that because I know Ozzy Osbourne just had a major surgery. They said it was a life-altering surgery. Tell us all about it. I mean, Black Sabbath, unbelievable. Ozzy Osbourne, I mean, I wasn't a big Acid Rain, uh, Acid Rock fan. I didn't mean Acid Rain, Acid Rock. But he was the best. Crazy Train. Remember when he bit the head off of a bat I know, uh, and had to get rabies that. shots? He had an incredible past. In 2003, <laughs> an all-terrain vehicle he was drugs. on, he flipped over the handlebars, fractured practically everything in his body, including a vertebrae. Then he, he announced that he had Parkinson's disease, and that's relevant to the follow-up of this, because in 2000. 2019, Lydia, he fell again, a big fall, and he ended up with major neck surgery, spinal surgery to stabilize vertebrae. Probably had rods and screws put in, as from from the reports we're getting from the New York Post and elsewhere. But the problem is Parkinson's syndrome affects the muscles. It makes them weak. It affects the alignment. It affects the bones. And those screws apparently have come loose, and so he has to have a revision surgery, which is much harder to do, especially if he has curvature from the Parkinson's healing will be an issue this is a big deal he's 73 years old i don't even know how he's still alive after ingesting all of those drugs years old. i think well, he, he did a I, lot I saw of pictures drugs. of him doctor i think it looks like 93 years by old. the way i i, I almost did it, uh, something on sunday me and uh dr uh siegel and dr michalos we all had dinner with the wives uh, uh except for uh, dr michalos didn't have a wife we had our, our friend linda wachner uh at at a restaurant and uh Mark, I was sick all day Sunday. From that restaurant? That's yeah. great food. Well, I don't know. I must have eaten the wrong foods. Really? John was eating the Caesar salad, and I had the same thing. I yeah, didn't share the Caesar that, salad, but I had the same thing. That veal, that veal piccata was not right. And I, here I am bragging that we went to the best restaurant in Long Island. Well, maybe, maybe it, it did. Really maybe did. It, normally it is. Normally it is. But we won't mention names. How? Let, let, let's talk about that. There's all these vaccines against cancer now. Have you heard that much about them? Yeah, we just got out of a very big meeting, John, cancer meeting, and we're seeing stem cell usage. What you heard from Mikolos was about the use of stem cells. He he did a phenomenal job uh, describing that. There's also the same mRNA vaccines that we've used for COVID. We've been studying for cancer, and we're making huge headway with them where basically they convince the immune system to attack the cancer. Cancer tries to hide. It's got a protein on its surface where it's trying to hide from your immune system. Trying to convince the body, we're just one of you. You're just, we're just, and any, any old cell, yeah, sure, until they kill you. But the, but the immune system can be woken up by various mechanisms. And one of them is that mRNA vaccine that we know from COVID. We're using it for cancer now. Yeah, it's incredible. People don't realize we all have cancer cells within us, but for some reason, whether it be genetic or environmental, our bodies don't know to kill it, our immune system, and that's why some people well, get cancer and others don't. Lydia, you just got to the other holy grail here, which is the genetics of it. We're learning who's most prone to, to cancer and who isn't, who inherited it. We're starting to map everybody's genes and figure that out exactly what your risk is. We're going to know in a few years you have a 53% risk of getting X. You better do Y. Cut down on the pasta. Eat more Caesar salad. Don't go to St. Ambrose. We'll be able to tell you where to go. I, I bet I bet the, the I Democrats pasta. will get a hold of that and everybody will be a robot. <laughs> We're out of time, Dr. Mark Siegel. Thank you. And- uh, 
I hope to see you again real soon, and uh, God bless you. I've never met Dr. Siegel. I want to meet him. He's a great guy. Come to the Southampton Breakfast on Saturday. Thank you for dinner. Judge Richard Weinberg, Craig Eaton, 10 years GOP chairman, and my sidekick. I'm kicking Lydia you. Serrani, and kick, she's kicking me. <laughs> and uh, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. Great show tonight, and, John. And uh, God bless America. And God, we need God's blessing in the world, too. And, and the solar system, as Larry Kudlow would say. Yeah, do you think there are aliens? And, uh, well, we'll see you tomorrow evening. Good night. WABC Radio.